This is Government Gone Digital. I'm Dana Birchman, Chief Digital Officer here in Gilbert, Arizona, and I'm here today with our Chief Talent Officer for Gilbert, Jolene Fleck. Jolene is in a newly created position in Gilbert, and we're so excited to have you. This is so fun. You don't often see Chief Talent Officers in government. True. So tell us a little about yourself and how you ended up here and about your position, because I think this is just really amazing for us and to change fundamentally our culture. Yeah, absolutely. I came from the private sector and really never thought about going into government for a variety of reasons, but I was really happy to learn about the position at Gilbert because it really broke down all those misconceptions about what government is, what it can do for employees, and the things that they can focus on. So um, I felt like Gilbert was doing something totally different and something that really appealed to the things that I value about my work and the way that HR can impact employee experience. And um, it was just a very exciting opportunity I could not pass up. And a lot of that relates to the culture of an organization. And government culture can tend to be very rigid, as you're experiencing for the Mm -hmm. first time. And I've been experiencing for five years. And it can be frustrating at times, you know, trying to make change. But I think you've made huge headway already um, just being here for a few months and talk to us a little bit about some of the things you're able to do to really change the culture of this place. Yeah, I um, culture is hard because you can't really control it and I can influence it, but many aspects of the culture are just out of my control and government does have some extra challenges, but um, I'm not sure that uh, the tools are any different or that it's necessarily any harder, it's really a lot like planning a party. I can decide the food, I can decide the location, I can decide um, the entertainment, but once the people show up, it's their party. And um, every Gilbert employee owns their piece of the culture. I love that. That's so cool. Yeah. I never really thought about it that way, but it's so true. Yeah. They decide how much risk they're going to assume personally. They decide how they're going to interact with their employees, with their managers, and there are a lot of employees here that have been at the party for many years, sometimes many decades, Um, and I'm the new kid at the party. Um, But Gilbert already had a lot of really great things going for it culturally, and Patrick put us on that course many years ago, so I can use what I know about organizational dynamics and culture to keep that momentum going. And I think that's a great point. Patrick is our town manager, and he came here six years ago and also had experience working in the private sector as well, which I think shows. And it's a very fun environment. I know when I came here, I thought, oh, stiff. It's going to be, you know, like stiff, uptight government. And I think that it surprises people. I have people on my team, most of my team, all of my team, never worked in government before this job either. And a lot of them were very hesitant um, because of those those reasons. And why I never would have a government job, you know. What? Are you crazy? Clock in, clock out till uh, till the day I retire or die. I mean, that (laughs) seems to be what people think it's like, you know. But I've already seen some huge changes since you came. So where do you start? Like where does, if an organization, you know, obviously hiring someone like you Mm -hmm. um, is a great way to start. But then once you're here, what are the things that you look for maybe to get easy wins right off off the bat? So um, 
This started as a profession many years before I came on the scene, but um, Hofstede did a lot of research on cultures globally in different countries, and so I studied a lot about him in college and thought, you know, a lot of his work can apply to um, the workplace. And so there are ways to diagnose the culture and be very prescriptive about the things you want to push on. Um, for example, power distance is um, a huge one. And power distance is the, the people with the least amount of status or power decide how much um, unequal distribution of power they are willing to tolerate. And what I love about power distance is that it's the least powerful people who are making that decision. Um, but there are things I can do to support that. So for example, the um, performance development program that we recently revamped, I can design that in a way that encourages low power distance because that's the kind of culture that Patrick has set in motion. And that kind of culture is going to encourage collaboration amongst varying levels of the organization. It's going to mean that if a leader is making a misstep, that people feel empowered to speak up and say, oh, hey, watch out. Um, I see things you don't see. And then that leader is going to be open to that feedback. So. Um, one-on-ones is a huge part of uh, the performance development plan. It's a third of it because that's the frequent meaningful interactions between employees and their supervisors. So that supervisors are not the boss, they're the coach. And so they're down in the game with the employees, providing their perspective, um, and they can you know, coach in the moment. And it's, it's a more egalitarian mm -hmm. kind of feel so that everybody feels empowered to contribute and yeah. so and it's so true that that's another thing that tends to happen in government is it is about that like they step system that they used right. to have you know it's like okay I've been here I showed up I step in grade you know I, yeah. I was breathing this year <laughs> I showed up every day on time I clocked in I clocked out like I survived okay, I survived now I get my raise and yeah. maybe I'll get a promotion up to the next right. and I think you make such a great point because people when they feel empowered and, and they feel equal and they feel comfortable speaking up. Right. Um, and I know that's one thing I really work so hard on. And it's, I always talk about relationships, right? right? And we spend more time at work than we do with our families most, yeah. most often. And it's even more important that you cultivate those relationships so that you have a place you love coming every day, right. but also that, you know, you get the best out of your teams and the people that work for you. Yeah. And we started these one-on-ones. I have a small department. I tend to talk to my employees every day. Um, mm -hmm. But in some of the larger departments, there's probably people that don't see their employees on right. a regular basis. And this is an opportunity for them to build that relationship right. through the course of the year. And I love that. Yeah. Instead of an we used to do an end of the year annual performance review. Yeah. <laughs> but so how do you do that? How right. do you just once a year talk to employees about how they're doing? Mm -hmm. And and that it can be kind of this gotcha moment, you know, where employees are like, wait, where did that come from? Oh, why right. didn't you tell me that when there was time for me to fix that? So um, putting the emphasis on the one-on-ones has just a slew of really positive things that comes out of that. We see lower absenteeism. We see higher productivity. We see fewer accidents. We see higher engagement. So um, it's really a huge driver, and I think it's going to be a game changer for the town of Gilbert to focus on um, being there coaching in the moment with employees, making sure that you know what their struggles are, clearing that path for them, and embracing that servant leader philosophy that Gilbert loves and looks for in their leaders. They want that humility 
so that leaders are open to hearing that feedback from employees and really understand that their role is to facilitate the success of their employees, not to sit in judgment of them and um, make them feel like they're doing a lot of things wrong. I love that. Another thing is rules. I'd love to talk about because I think a lot of times government organizations get bogged down in manuals or rules or personnel books. And um, when you're trying to foster a creative, collaborative environment, I think rules can be inhibiting oftentimes. And so one of the things I noticed when I came here was we had this like 90 minute review of personnel rules and policies. And oh, yeah, when I created my department, uh, I had the attorneys coming to me saying, you know, we need to make policies. First, before we get started, you have to have a policy. And every time I go talking to other cities or anyone else, when especially when it comes to social media, they're like, well, what are the policies? You, know, you need to be mm-hmm. sure you're protected. And, and one of the episodes we did earlier in um, this podcast series that if you're listening, you may want to check out is um, Embrace Technology, Fear the Policy. <laughs> and nice. um, yes. And so basically what I had to do is convince everyone here in this organization that if I created a social media policy our employees would be afraid mm-hmm. to engage not only on their personal accounts, but even if they had to do it for work, and that would inhibit mm-hmm. them and their ability because they would think, mm, "No, I'm. An, I could get in trouble for They're that. I'm not going to break, do break it. the rules." Yeah. Yeah. And so I had to fight really hard for that. And again, it was what that that opens us up to. To what? People saying things about you on social media? Well, they right. do that anyway. Exactly. <laughs> what are you going to do? Right, right. Yeah. So talk about some of that, because I'm sure you came in and, and went through the same orientation that I did and saw yeah. all those rules. Well, I'm really proud of the work that Nathan Williams has done with our um, learning and development. And he revamped the new employee orientation to just be about what's great about working at Gilbert. And, you know, maybe we don't need 90 minutes to talk. I mean, the rules are important. There are some Mm -hmm. must-haves. You know, we don't want people to be hassled or harassed at work. You know, we want to make sure that minorities understand that they are welcome here, that no one is going to lose their job because they're the wrong color or religion or things like that. There are some must-haves. But then there are a lot of things that just exist to control other people or um, rules that just exist because it makes us feel comfortable to have a lot of rules. And um, you're right. I think it stifles creativity, and it brings the focus on the wrong thing. Let's talk about what you can do. Um, let's talk about all the possibilities out there. Let's talk about um, you know, how you can engage creatively and not worry about um, you know, what does the handbook say. Because in my experience, employees don't read the handbook because they want to be the best possible employee. Um, They tend to read the handbook because they're looking for a loophole, perhaps, or they're trying to figure out how to get something done, and they they just need to know where the boundaries are. And so if if those aren't there or they don't belong, then the focus is on, okay, how great can I be? How awesome can I make this? Um, And I don't have to worry about trying to contort my efforts around a lot of restrictions that seemingly exist just to make others feel comfortable. Yeah, we talk a lot about pride um, with what we do, the marketing and communications outreach into the community. You know, Gilbert has an amazing group of people who live here that have a ton of pride in living here and then I think also working here. And I think it would be a huge mistake to not tap into that pride. Mm -hmm. I always say when I'm looking to hire, I don't want people that want 
a government job or that would work in any city. I want people that are here because they want to be in Gilbert or because they're looking at the work we're doing and they said, I want to be a part of that team. Yeah. And I think that that's so important because in government it's often, well, I could go to the next city and make more and do less. We hear a lot about that. And we, those, those aren't the people that we want to hire here. Right. And that's very different for go- for government, yeah. you know. But nor- not not so different when you're not in government, right? Like right. So those of us that were in the private sector before, a lot of these things are normal. We did one episode called "That's How the World Works" mm-hmm. because we're like, well, the rest of the world does it like this, you know. But government yeah. has the those ways sometimes of you know doing it their own way because they've always done it right that way. Right. It can be scary, but I like hiring hiring people who are just like. They are infected. They are just fanboys, fangirls. They love Gilbert. They see what's going on in the Heritage District. They see how their community's grown. Um, They see how Gilbert differentiates itself. And I love during an interview for people to just volunteer, hey, you know, I grew up in Gilbert or I've been watching Gilbert. I I was one of those people who, I live in Chandler, but um, I spent a lot of time in Gilbert and watched it grow up the past, you know, 20 or so years and just said, wow, you know, like, I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of what they're doing. Um, It's a way to um, give, to contribute, and to make a difference in in a way that's so unique and impactful because you can see the results of your work. And we have that on the private sector, you know, like um, creating shareholder wealth, uh, you know, I mean, it sounds great and all, but it's it's just a different feeling when you can show up and make a difference to hundreds of thousands of people who live in your community and know that your work really matters. And because you came to work, um, everybody's better off. And there are really very few places you can go to get that kind of feeling. Yeah, and your employees are your best advocates. We talk about that quite a bit, too, which is why I didn't want to have policies that made people feel like they couldn't share all the great things that were happening in Gilbert in the organization or just out in the community. And I know someone in your department had said that they were working here because they saw the Justin Timberlake dance video that we made. And there is not a better feeling for us and my team to know that. And I I really do take pride when people watch our digital state of the town and then they share it on their pages and say, look at this amazing place that I work or look at this amazing place where I live or where I do business. And I think that that's so powerful. And so many cities are missing out on that connection, that opportunity to connect with their, the residents. Yeah. And think how much we would miss if you had been too afraid to do that and to say, you know what, I see an opportunity. I see how to show the community just how amazing we are. And if you had been too afraid to take that chance, um, we would have missed out on, you know, all of those great feelings and all of those um, folks who saw that and were inspired and felt that Gilbert pride. So what do you see coming next? What are your big focus areas? Because we talked about culture change, and this is not something that happens overnight. No. Um, I've seen definitely some differences in little things that you were able to do, I think, to move the needle. Like in our executive team meetings, you um, instituted something called mandatory fun. Mandatory fun. Yeah, that is <laughs> You have key. to make people have fun. That's the key to popularity, by the way, is forcing people to play with you. My mother used to force me to play with my lame sister, so I know it's... <laughs> it's yeah, but, but I think people kind of like it, you know, I think that, um, you know, we play, you know, Never Have I Ever, we play the playground insult game, and I, I think it gives <laughs> us all a chance to laugh and have fun, and 
um, you know, we have to take care of some very serious topics sometimes. And so um, it helps relieve that stress, build relationships. And, and I know there are so many people here who are just super creative and super funny. And they're just kind of waiting for permission mm-hmm. to let that out because mm-hmm. they're just not sure. And I'm willing to be that person who goes out front and says, okay, here's my embarrassing story. Or, um, you know, here's the wedding I crashed or the, you know, whatever happened. But um, we can have fun at work. And I, I really like that about the town of Gilbert, too. Yeah, and I've, this is a group of people that has, have been together for some of them five or six years, mm-hmm. and, you know, I've seen them that they have, like, an at-work persona and an right. out-of-work persona, right. and, which is strange to me, to me personally, because I'm the exact same here that I am everywhere, right. um, but I've definitely seen that kind of lighten up the group and, yeah. and loosen people up and, again, be willing to share or say something surprising. I'm like, really? You know, you did right. that, or you went there, and... Because we are, and like we said, if we spend more time with each other than we do our families, why mm-hmm. shouldn't we be comfortable? Right. This should be fun. It should be fun, but there is something rigid about mm-hmm. government culture, I think, in in general. And well, I think it goes back to power distance, right? But when you are the leader who's willing to say, you know what, here's a story about a time when I messed up, and here's what I learned, and coming back to that humility, like okay, I'm willing to be maybe the butt of the joke on this turn. And it gives everybody else permission to not be perfect, to take a chance, to not be so rule-driven. And, you know, really creative, innovative things can happen when you let go of that need to be perfect. And, um, you know, it's kind of an illusion anyway. Um, Mm -hmm. So show up, be yourself, bring your whole self to work. Um, We will all be richer for it. Yeah, and there's so much of this that's been happening in the private sector. Yeah. You know, they talk about culture all the time and, mm-hmm. you know, kind of workspace that you're in and, you know, open collaborative areas. Actually, we're mm-hmm. going to begin a redesign on the yeah. building that we're currently in to do just that mm-hmm. and kind of blow out the walls and make it a more open collaborative space. Something else you probably don't see a lot in government, but something that's very, very common and has been yeah. being done and talked about. You know, we all know, oh, Facebook is was like the coolest place to work, right, right? Yeah. ever. Um, and, you know, beanbag chairs and these whole spaces where, you know, even executives don't have offices and they're sitting mm-hmm. right in with their staff. It's funny. I actually worked at NBC um, News before I came here, and the anchors all sat with all of the staff. There was not a separation of, and this was, you know, 2008. Mm -hmm. So this is almost 10 years ago. So the private sector has been doing this for a long time and talking about culture and, you know, your work environment and all of that. But for some reason, just like almost everything we come across, the the public sector is just lagging behind in this area. Yeah. Why do you think that is? I'm not totally sure. Um, I think that for a lot of folks, uh, your workspace was kind of a status symbol. It was kind of a perk. It was the corner office. And so it, um, it was about being, you know, important or the smartest person in the room. It meant something to that individual. And so when you let go of needing to be very important and needing to be the smartest person in the room, um, and you can facilitate the success of others, you just let go of some of those ego needs a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, you find your status and how much you can give and not how much you know space you can surround yourself with. And the world has changed a little bit. We're a lot more mobile. Um, you know, a lot of folks um, are able to telecommute now that weren't able to do so previously. Um, Another thing that never happens in government, I commented that in my first five years here, I never called into a meeting because no one could figure, 
I'm serious. I think the one time I did, it kept like dropping my call and I kept saying like, and they didn't know I was gone and they didn't call me back and we actually have a meeting tomorrow to test a new like Cisco system where we're going to talk about um, figuring out how to work remotely and have meetings and I just laugh because this has been happening for a decade or more for other people and we really are so far behind and Mm -hmm. you know I love that we're we're trying to catch up and trying you know making pretty big strides and hiring you and a position like yours I think really helps us to do that yeah you know and and sometimes people just don't question right you know they grew up in this environment we have folks here with very long tenures and so it, it just doesn't occur to you sometimes that you have permission to do things differently no one's going to stop you but no one else is doing it either. So mm-hmm. are you going to be that first risk taker who puts your neck out, does something differently? How is that going to be perceived? Mm-hmm. Um, and so creating an environment where those kinds of thoughts, discussions can be had, um, it's it's very helpful. And I think that we're going to see Gilbert evolve as, you know, we have continued to evolve. And, um, you know, we, we may not always be as fast as the private sector with how much technology we adapt, but... Um, I think that we can make the strides that we're making and, you know, I think we've come a long way already. Yeah. And, you know, the in-person meeting culture too, that's another thing that I, that I really had noticed was that people require you to be, you know, your, your calendar could easily be filled with meetings back to back. And sometimes you've got multiple people from your team, like, do we all need to be here? Right. Can we divide and conquer? Right. Sure. That's another thing I think that we haven't always done well and, you know, making Mm -hmm. the most of your time and, and, but again, that, that rigid kind of in-person meetings Mm -hmm. in your, you know, stuffy conference room or whatever it is, is another thing that comes, comes along with that. Right. So I'd love to see that change too. Yeah, me too. So what are you most excited about for the next six months to a year? Oh gosh. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing the performance development program roll out in its entirety. The one-on-one piece is in motion, and we're pushing on the goal-setting piece. That's more of a quarterly check-in. We're doing a lot of 4DX training right now to um, teach our supervisors how to track those goals and metrics and how all of this adds up to pushing the town of Gilbert forward and then eventually coming to that annual um, compensation review. I'm looking forward to seeing all of that roll out in its entirety and seeing the impact that it makes on the culture. I I think it's going to be a game-changer. Awesome. We're so glad you're here. Thanks, me too. And thanks for joining us on the podcast. So much fun. So um, to our listeners, be sure to engage with us on social media. If you have questions or comments, you can use the hashtag GovGoneDigital. And feel free to leave us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think about this podcast. And we'll see you soon from Gilbert, Arizona on Government Gone Digital. Gone Digital.